We got special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome to another episode of Podstalgic. I am your host, Peter. This is a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. And continuing our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective, we are uh, continuing on with part two, Freddy's Revenge, and part three, Dream Warriors. And Tom is back. Hey, I'm hey, Tom. back. Yeah, you're back. Uh, obviously, you'll be joining me um, to stroll around the block or up and down the street. On or street, run, run <laughs> hopefully run quickly past a couple of the houses. In the, yes, in this, yeah. uh, line of movies, right? Especially the one with the the bright red door. Yes, yes, yes. So that's a first. Um, I didn't even catch the the first movie having a blue door no, until no, I read a I trivia. Didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about it until just now. But yeah, yeah, that yeah. is true. Well, for anybody tuning in for the first time, this is something we are doing for the uh, the month of October. Um, hopefully, you guys uh, tuned into that first episode. But if not, Tom, do you want to tell the listeners what you and Jake do at Jake and Tom Conquer the World? Yes, we are a couple of big dumb dorks who uh, enjoy sitting down with each other, partaking in some adult beverages, and talking about uh, all kinds of things from pop culture. Focusing uh, primarily on superheroes, but uh, we've been known to talk about all sorts of movies and television and comic books and all sorts of things. Yeah, it's a it's a great show. Obviously, uh, you and I, we, uh, oh, at least I hope you enjoy working with me. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Um, but you know, you've joined me for the Karate Kid movies as well, uh, and a few uh, one-offs mm-hmm. here and there. So. Um, so, uh, one thing I like to do, uh, before we get into the actual movie review, uh, again, we'll be covering both movies here, um, not at the same time, obviously. We'll do part two first and part three second, but I do take a, a little visit back to the time that the movie did release, and the number one song that came out at the time of this release was Saving All My Love For You by Whitney Houston. Oh, yeah, everyone knows that one. Yeah, it's a great, it's like a very operatic, right? It's a power yeah. ballad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good song. Um, love it. I love me some Whitney Houston. Matter of fact, I was listening to some Whitney earlier this evening. Definitely gone too soon. Uh, the other movies that came out the same weekend as Freddy's Revenge was To Live and Die in L.A. and Death Wish 3. To Live and Die in L.A. is a phenomenal movie, vastly underrated. It's a oh, great, okay. great crime drama. I'm familiar with the song by Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> Fair you enough. Probably, yeah, probably took it from this, uh, from, from this movie here. That would be a good guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, okay, so Freddy's Revenge. I guess we're just gonna hop right into it since we are covering two movies. The funny thing is, I I did watch two and three back to back the same evening earlier this week, and if I remember correctly, in the first movie's review, I mentioned that I, I'm i kind of coming in as a, as a newbie 
and mm. I hadn't seen much of these movies. But watching two and three, there's bits and pieces that I kind of remember seeing. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so I feel like maybe I did do some type of mini binge watch, you know, like when it was on TV. So I saw these, you know, sanitized versions, uh, I feel. Because we never, I, maybe we did have HBO, but not when these movies were, I don't know, maybe in heavy rotation. But it's got to be one of those things that around Halloween, they were playing like all the nightmare movies and I was just staying up late and probably watching some of them. But some things did stick out. I'm like, I, you know what? I kind of remember that. So... With this one, uh, uh, before we get into the details, actually, let's t- let's talk about who's in the movie. Um, so Wes Craven, no uh, no connections to this movie whatsoever. We got Jack Shoulder, who is the director. Uh, Mark Patton is our lead here, the first male lead, first and only, right? Yeah, yeah, first and only. Mm. Uh, not only, yeah, yeah, I maybe. Think so, yeah, actually, okay, I'm thinking about it, yeah. Uh, he plays Jesse Walsh. Uh, he is the new kid in town, kind of. I don't know if we really get a, a time frame of how long he's been in town, but he moves into the, uh, what was Nancy's last name? Thompson. Thompson. The, the Thompson's, uh, residence. Uh, Kim Myers plays Lisa, the love interest, question mark. Um, and looks extremely like Meryl Streep to the point that I had to look it up, and I, and I was certain that she was Meryl Streep's daughter. <laughs> and I could find. It is find, uncanny. Yeah, I, I I went on her IMDb and her uh, mini biography was very vague, and I'm just like, no, she's she's got to be her daughter. So I went on a couple <laughs> other different sites, and I did come up. I found something on Nightmare on Elm Street, and people are always making that connection, like, oh yeah, she looks that. That's why she got hired was because she looked like Meryl Streep. Um, so that, that was really interesting. Uh, let's see. I don't think we really care about the parents. Um, Marshall Bell plays coach Snyder. Uh, he is, what does he even coach? He's just out in recess, wasn't it? They were playing like football. Is he a football like, coach? I, I thought it was like gym class. Okay. Yeah. So he goes by coach Snyder. So, uh, so he is a coach, but he is also the gym teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see here. We also got, uh, Robert England, um, returning as Freddy Krueger, obviously. And do you, th- uh, Grady, Grady, Grady's a pretty big character here. Uh, mm-hmm. he is played by Robert Russler, um, who was also in Weird Science, which is a recorded review already, and that'll come out in November. So be on the lookout for that. And I read a fun trivia where I guess when Weird Science wrapped up, Robert Downey Jr. drove him to either audition or just to the set of Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yep, for the audition. Audition. Okay. Yep. See, so that's uh, interesting there. And with this movie, um, you know, I'll try to sum it up, but uh, I guess Jesse moves into the house and... The house is, I guess, still kind of being haunted by Freddy. Freddy, I guess, needs Jesse's body as a vehicle to come into the real world or something. And I'm still trying to figure out what the actual revenge is. (laughs) I don't know. It it was a great title that I don't think they put much thought into it beyond that. This is not a high point of the series. I'm going to get that out of the way. Probably my least favorite entry. 
Okay. And I have heard that this is not good. Um, to be honest with you, I, I didn't think it was terrible. You know, at no point was I like, okay, I need to stop watching. Um, I mean, just like the first movie, I had questions. But what this movie did was it it uh, broke a lot of rules. It did. You it know? broke a lot of rules. Yeah, that were established in the first movie. And I, I can see why people uh, hate this one, because specifically because of those rules and, and um, the pool party scene, you know. Uh, but... I, I don't think Jesse is a terrible character. He's not a great one. He's not a great one, but, I mean, is Nancy a great one? Yes. Actually, I would say Nancy is a great one, uh, especially if you're into fighters and people who are willing to not lay down and just be victims. Nancy okay. Thompson, I think, is actually a really good character. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Um, yeah, Jesse Walsh, we don't find out too much about him his family is kind of i don't know they're his father you know he has a weird relationship with his father i'm still trying to figure out how long he's been in town because how long has he known this uh lisa you know this this young lady who i think likes him more than he likes her and just a little bit of research that i did uh I guess there's a lot of, like, homoerotic undertones in this movie. There's a lot of it. Uh, and yeah. the, the screenwriter said that, yeah, I put it in there intentionally, but he mm-hmm. didn't bother to tell the director. And the director was oblivious to it, but he unknowingly amped all of that up. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because I, I did f- see that uh, Mark Patton, um, who plays Jesse, he is an, uh, you know, he's out now. So he is openly gay. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, I, I'm thinking, like, well, what must have it been like for him, you know, to be, uh, to not be out and, but to play somebody with like these undertones throughout the movie as well. Um, you know, and then like his scenes with Grady and, I didn't know that coming in. That's not something I ever heard people say about this movie. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there and I was just kind of like, you know, just joking to myself, like, oh, him and Grady should be like lovers. And then like things started <laughs> happening and were like sentences were being said. I'm like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it definitely had me questioning and that's why I had to look it up afterwards. So it was interesting. But no, like I, I didn't think this was terrible. I think there's definitely a lot of missed opportunities. Um, it is frustrating that they broke rules. They made Freddy Krueger come out into the real world. Um, I, I, I guess that's pretty much I have as far as uh, my initial thoughts. Um, what do you want to start with? Well, I mean, there really isn't a whole lot of plot to it. I mean, you pretty much summed up the entire plot. I mean, <laughs> Freddy is still in the house. He terrorizes the new kid in the, you know, Nancy's old room. He uses him as a vessel to kill seemingly random people and threaten others. Uh, he, I mean, I, I will give it credit. The, the physical effects on this movie were top notch, especially the transformation scene inside of Grady's room. That was right up there with some of the best effects in the eighties where you literally see his head kind of pushing out of, uh, Jesse's abdomen. Mm -hmm. That was impressive. I'll, I'll give him credit there. 
Um, the one scene that I do really want to talk about is the death scene involving the coach. Oh, because, okay. Because I first saw this when I was in the fifth grade, way, way, way back when. Mm-hmm. And even when I was a little kid, this didn't make any sense to me at all. Because, first of all, Jesse is walking from his house to this bar Clear on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's kind of odd. Right. Then he has absolutely no problem getting served at this bar. Without ID, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's also kind of odd. And by the way, a little bit of trivia, the bartender that serves the underage kid just happens to be played by the producer of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the coach sees him there, and the coach is dressed in S&M gear. Mm-hmm. That's not the part that really sticks out in my mind. The part that sticks out in my mind is, for whatever reason, the coach decides that he's going to immediately punish this kid by taking him back to the high school and making him run laps in the gymnasium. Yeah. This doesn't make sense at all. You're not on the clock. (laughs) Well, not only that, but, I mean, how did they get back there? Did they they share a cab? (laughs) Did they run him? (laughs) Did... Did they, you know, have him sit in the back seat and then open up the school unannounced to anybody else? This just doesn't make any sense. No, no, you're you're right. It it really doesn't. And, and then the, then the cops, you know, find Jesse wandering the streets out by the high school on the same night that the the high school gym coach is murdered, and they don't put two and two together. This just. It has never made any sense. Yeah. No, there, there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Uh, a lot of it is, is towards the end of the movie, or at least the third act. I actually kind of liked at least the first, I don't know, the first two-thirds of the movie. I was kind of in there. It was really when Lisa became a bigger part, um, and also the whole deal. Like, okay, so... Let's get to... We're going to jump around, okay? There's no yeah, point in... Yeah, there really isn't a lot yeah. to this movie, folks. There really isn't. <laughs> uh, let's just... Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump straight to the pool party where um, it, it looks like, you know, him and Lisa are... They're in this cabana and um, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're having they're a good time. They're doing what teenage kids do. They are. And Jesse is not feeling it i guess and decides to run over to see grady and even grady makes that comment like there's a girl waiting for you like at the house and you're here with me they weren't very subtle with their undertones no they, they really weren't i you know i kind of like grady uh as a character he was he was pretty good but the whole reveal of freddie coming into the real world that made no sense because the entire like I, I again the the rule that was established that he's in he shows up in people's dreams but in reality you don't see him but you see the victim you know being tormented or what have you him revealing himself I, it kind of did nothing for me I guess only because I knew of that rule and it kind of took me out at that point um, I do. However, like the effects of the the pool heating up, everyone is like, oh, you know, it's it's burning, it's hot or whatever. I kind of like that stuff. You know, like some of the effects in here is pretty good. Um, 
like the the opening scene where they're on the bus, and then you see like that miniature of a bus. In yes, the... it is so obviously a miniature looking at really some is. Blu-ray. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. We both got the Blu-ray set, and yeah. it, it. You know what? I kind of miss that type of effects. You know, like uh, Honey, I blew up the uh, Honey, I shrunk the kids. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I did really like about the pool scene was the one kid who mustered up the courage to try to talk Freddy down, saying, hey, we can work this out. What's going on? And, of course, Freddy just eviscerates him. Yeah. I, I got a hearty laugh out of that one. I, I guffawed. Yeah. I think there was a, a kind of a, another missed opportunity. I, I think Freddy reacted too quick. I, I think the, they should have built up a little suspense to that, you know? That, the thing I didn't like about it, though, is he's terrorizing them, he's threatening the ones that he hasn't killed, and then he just pisses off and walks away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he gets shot, though, right? By, by, like, a shotgun or something? or I think so, yeah. The girl's father, who right. is probably the dumbest parent in this entire movie because he's hosting this party, he's playing DJ, man in the grill, <laughs> and the moment that he and his wife shut out the light, all of a sudden, all of this booze comes out. Where the Where did they hide that? I mean, that's a lot of booze to hide in the backyard. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be some pretty cool parents to me. Dumb parents. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm surprised nobody called the cops about this maniac who just manifested out of nowhere and uh, killed a bunch of folk, yeah, kids. It's, it's it's Springfield. It happens every every year. It's all oh, that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Clockwork, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've okay. One of the things that I did chuck uh, get a good chuckle out of is when Jesse would scream in his sleep. Oh, because well, it's like the least masculine scream I've ever heard. It was it was the point of annoyance. The thing that made me laugh, genuinely laugh out loud was the first time at the beginning of the movie when he screams and the parents are treating it just like it was any other day. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, his sister even makes a comment, right? I mean, um, she asks them, like, why doesn't he wake up early like everyone else or something? No, why Why can't he wake up like normal people? Okay. Oh, he's yeah. just going through a phase. Yeah. Yeah, his parents seem to be pretty... Um... Well, they're inconsistent. At one point, they're acting concerned. At another point, they're acting frustrated. And then at another point, they're acting like they don't care. It's very inconsistent writing hmm and it is just the one writer right yeah yes. looks like it was written by david chaskin and we see his name again right i think he doesn't he work on more of the other I, sequels i would have to check out imdb okay. to be honest with you yeah okay because Wes craven did the first one so okay so he comes in new yeah usually it's like a like a, a number of different writers when there's a bunch of like different directions i guess mm-hmm. but yeah it's just the one according to this wiki site i have up um what do you think about the relationship between lisa and jesse it felt strained at best i think the most polite way i can say is that the two actors didn't seem to have a lot of on-screen chemistry with one another mm-hmm. and it just felt very artificial and actorly yeah, it it was not good, especially towards the end when she's trying to talk Jesse uh, or t- talk to Freddy as Jesse. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah, trying trying uh, to get through to Jesse and there we go, Freddy guys. Yeah, right. And uh, she starts, I don't know, confessing her love to him. I'm like, where did that come from? That was 
not earned. That whole entire end was, I I feel, is where like the mess was. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to nitpick throughout the entire movie, but the end, it it was almost like an entire different movie. It it was uh, written for something else, and they decided to stick it uh, stick it on the end because they had no end or something. I don't know. Because where is it that they even go where there's like these dogs with human faces on them? That's... They said it was in Freddy's boiler room, but I have no idea where they came from. Yeah, that's not explained, and that was just weird. Well, that and... the very climax of it where Jesse is saved by Lisa giving Freddy love's one true kiss. Lame. Yeah. Lame. Lame. <laughs> uh, she might as well have turned her back to him. Say she didn't believe in him or something. Exactly. I mean, that's a better alternative than kissing one giant scab. Yeah. Speaking of kiss, uh, when Jesse was like kissing on her chest and stuff and that big old tongue, it, that was pretty gross. Mm. I, I, I can't even imagine I'm, how. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a phallic symbol of some sort. <laughs> oh, I'm the, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, the idea of this being phrased revenge and him wanting to use Jesse as his vessel, I think that's all very, it's, it's a good idea, but it's, it's just the execution of it. But there are some things to like, you know, just like the previous movie, there's a scene where Jesse falls asleep in class, but even in that scene raises some questions too. Like, how the hell did the snake just end up on him? Like, is that, that's not explained, right? No. Yeah, you know, no. the teacher gives him this look as if he's the one that grabbed the snake, <laughs> put it around himself or something. But the look that Grady gives to Jesse while Jesse's like dozing off, that's where I was just kind of like, what's, go- what's going on here? <laughs> like, there's something <laughs> more to that look. Because I didn't know what to make of them too. Like, I wasn't sure if Grady was a bully. Uh, you know, was he supposed to be the new... Oh, what's the guy from the first one? The Tina's boyfriend? Rod? Rod. There we go. Rod Lane. He was, I um, think he was kind of supposed to be a cross between, uh, Rod and Glenn. Glenn? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I can see that. Except for he's not really like the boyfriend to anybody, right? Well. To well. Jesse. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, much, much better relationship, these two. Uh, than than him and Lisa. Honestly, for sure. yeah, the, the, those two had way better chemistry than Jesse and Lisa did. Oh, I know, Jesse's dancing. What do you think of that? That is one of the most infamous pieces of uh, film in eighties horror slasher films. It, uh, it's to this day haunting Mark Patton. I guess uh, every time he would go into a club, it felt like there he was projected onto the screen unbeknownst to him and they're playing that at dance clubs yeah he didn't want to do it uh he literally had to get drunk in order to do it and he from what i understand still regrets it and i don't blame him yeah i i don't either but i mean credit to him he did okay he did okay uh it, it just out of place in this movie it's a horror movie and it looked like a ripoff of Adventures in Babysitting, you know, like in the beginning or something. Well, from what I understand, what they wanted to do was Risky Business had come out not too long before that. Ah, the sunglasses, right. Yep, and they wanted to kind of ride that wave. Okay. Hmm. Didn't work. (laughs) Did not work at all. (laughs) Did not work. Um, I'm trying to think. uh, Let me see. Because I did read somewhere that this one has the most body counts 
in, in the franchise. Uh, it's got like 10 or something, but I guess most of them were really during that pool party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Okay, so I guess I was able to kind of tell that Freddy's makeup was a little bit different here. Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to kind of point out exactly what was different about it? I, aside from like the burns, I guess the burns were a little bit different. Uh, I know that it looked a lot more defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had, frankly, a much, much better makeup artist in this movie in Kevin Yeager, uh, who was able to basically take Freddy out of the shadows because you're able to see a lot more definition in him in this movie compared to the first one. Because in the first one, he's mostly hidden in shadows. Mm-hmm. Not so in this one. Yeah, in... To add to that, I guess Freddy was only on screen for like 13 minutes of the time. And that that was definitely lacking for me. Because like one of the things that we did in our first review was this uh, Peter Scare meter. And, you know, I was kind of creeped out. But I think it was more so anticipating like more Freddy. And I never really got it. And so I felt let down quite a bit. And... I don't know. I, I think I think Freddy was still pretty good to me. But it, now, does his voice change later on in the franchise? I, I feel it's like really modulated, like these first two movies. A little bit. A okay. little bit. He doesn't. Oh, it doesn't get a little bit more normal. Not really. Uh, okay. Especially if you know what Robert England sounds like, it's not normal at all. One other big difference I wanted to point out in the Freddy appearance in this movie is, especially after the transformation scene. He doesn't have a glove. He literally has razor claws on his right hand. Oh, yeah. What's that about? Is it because Jesse wears it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> it's one of those things that they didn't bother to think of. I, I get the feeling that they didn't think that people were going to be talking about this movie 32 years later. Right. No. Um. Now, I think there was a mention of... There was a scene where Lisa and Jesse were talking in his room, and they found uh, Nancy's diary. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if it was at that point. Actually, I think it might have been early on in the movie when Grady tells Jesse about the house that he lives in, because there's a mention of it being five years ago that when all that stuff went down in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Is that a sounds I, I about right? It sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, five years in between. So that's interesting. Even though the movie came out a year later, so I wonder. I kind of remember what happens in Dream Warrior. Well, not what happens, but a, a mention of the time passing. Because I was trying to see what the purpose of making it. You know, like five years later. If I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say they wanted probably enough separation between the kids in in high school. It's one thing to hear about your classmate Nancy having this hard time, especially with her friends and her boyfriend dying. It's something else entirely to hear about this girl that was at the same school years before you. You know, mm-hmm. it it feels more like an urban legend if you don't actually know the person involved. Okay, I do like that. Yeah, because there's, uh, aside from Freddy, everybody's, it's a brand new cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about some of the things that do happen in the, the Walsh's home, like with the, the bird exploding? I know you, I, I, I'm probably going to get PETA mad at this, but I always have to laugh at that just because it's so ridiculous. 
Yeah, comes it out just of comes out of nowhere, and it's never really brought up again except for like one brief scene. Well, and then there's that scene in the kitchen where the toaster is like unplugged, and the waffles or something is burning in the toaster, and the the dad he says something like, "Oh, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen." I mean, this is like right after the bird exploding, and yeah, did, he said something about the seeds too, right? Like the cheap seeds or something. I think so. Yeah, it, yeah. It, and he, he was blaming <laughs> it on a gas leak. Yeah, and then he was blaming it on Jesse throwing cherry bombs. You're you're stretching, Dad. You're really stretching. <laughs> right. it. Uh, I I think they were just trying to give him stuff to say. Yeah, it's probably what it is. Is there anything else about the end here? I'm. I was glad to get to it. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, I, I I haven't watched this movie since I was in high school. I I purposely skipped it when I bought the Blu-ray box set, and I remember sitting down. Just earlier this week, thinking, well, you know what? It's been a long time since I've seen it. Maybe it isn't as bad as I remember it, and it's actually worse. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I've there's one other, well, two other movies that might be worse than this. But when anybody asks me what my least favorite one is, for whatever reason, I automatically just go to this one, just okay. because it, it felt rushed. Uh, they they knew they had a cash cow on their hands. They wanted to get a sequel into the theaters as quickly as possible, and it shows in every way. Yeah, I feel it should have been somebody else's. Uh, you know, somebody should have been avenging Freddy. You know, go that route. They make it not not Freddy, and it's somebody else. You know, if you're gonna do, uh, if you're gonna change the entire cast, change the villain too. I mean, I don't know if it would make the movie any better, but at least you're not tying it to this franchise. You know, it's like uh, like an anthology, for example. Oh, kind of like what they wanted to do with Halloween. Exactly. Well, part two also, right? Uh, No, part three, actually. The Season of the Witches, that's part three? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So kind of like that. Like, just, you know, set it in the same universe and just change everything. But the the end kind of is is bookended, you know, just like the the beginning of the movie. They're on the bus again, and Jesse notices like the bus is speeding up, and it kind of bothered me that Lisa's like, "No, it's fine." And I'm thinking, "No, it's not fine because it is. <laughs> it's like it's speeding up." But it's it kind of ends, you know, ambiguously, just like the first movie as well. I didn't think it ended in an ambiguous way at all because, I mean, Freddy's hand burst out through the one girl's chest. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, In one of the worst edits ever, by the way, because you could tell that what they did is they were filming with uh, Lisa and Jesse in the front seat, mm-hmm. the other girl leaning over them from the seat behind them. You have a quick cut, and then all of a sudden, Freddy's arm appears out of nowhere after that cut. It was just such... Poor, poor workmanship in this scene. I don't know. The, the in the bus driver acknowledges that Jesse's screaming, but says nothing. Well, in all fairness, I mean, bus drivers have to put up with a lot of crap. They're they're gonna do everything they can just to get through the route, and you know, at the end of their day, they just want to drop the kids off and move on. I'm on. I mean, the kid's got like. Doesn't he have a, a cast on both arms or something? Or, or I think band, so, yeah. bandaged up? <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else you, you want to talk about in in this movie at all? Um, I, I feel like I had a lot that I wanted to ask or even bring up, like when I was watching it. It's just a vapid, hollow cash grab of a film, and I'm 
Well, I mean, it made plenty of money at the box office. That's the only reason why there was a part three. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad there was because part three is one of my favorites. Okay. So you want to jump to that? Well, I mean, did you want to rate this one? Oh, okay. So my scare meter, um, I definitely was not scared. Um, you know, there was some creepiness. I mean, you still got Freddy in there. Uh, the first one, I feel like I gave that one like a three and a half out of five mm-hmm. scare meter. Um, this one, I'd, I'd probably put at like, I don't know. I, I don't think I would give it a zero. So it would really be one through five. I, I'd probably say, I don't know, like one and a half. And that's probably being very You're generous. You're being overly generous, yep. Yeah, yeah, I am. But, you know, th- there's still some things to be creeped out about by Freddy, I guess. But the lack of Freddy, you know, I'll just give it a one because 13 minutes, you know, and I know the movie's like, let's see here. It says 87 minutes. Yikes, that's like an hour that's, and 10 yeah. of just Jesse. And mm. I would I would also give it a one only for that transformation scene. Basically, the entire oh, yeah. sequence of... That's the best. Yeah, that was really, really good. That was easily the best part of the movie. That saves it from getting a zero. Now, wasn't this um, this one also the one where Freddy shows his stomach and he says that he's got like children's souls or something in him? Nope, nope. That's a that's a different one. Okay, that's no. His his big reveal on this one was he peeled back his scalp and exposed uh, the brain. His brain that was pretty good. I feel so. It's not the third one then. Where he shows his... It is. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll wait then. Um, I'm trying to think what was... Okay. So in this movie, uh, Freddy's Revenge, the things that I did remember was the beginning and end scene on the bus, mm-hmm. bits and pieces of the pool party scene, and how did Grady die? He was impaled uh, with Freddy's glove through his door. And you saw it from his parents' point of view on the other side of the door. Yeah, okay, so that wasn't it. I don't remember the Lisa character at all. I remember very little of this movie, but I remember uh, the Jesse Walsh character for sure. Yeah. Just probably because he was like the only male protagonist, I guess. Possibly the most annoying protagonist in the entire (laughs) series. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the movie, too, that adds to it. Uh, So, Dream Warriors? Yeah. Let's wash our hands of Freddy's revenge and get onto something good. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Alright, so with Dream Warriors, okay, this came out February 27th, 1987. Uh, the number one song at the time of this movie's release was Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. If you don't know what that song is, you were raised by bad parents. <laughs> Amish or something. Like, yeah. I, I mean, this song was on Rock Band. Uh, I mean, it's pro. It was and is everywhere. Yeah, it really. I mean, it's still playing. I, I feel Miley Cyrus probably did a cover of it or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, yeah, huge song. Surprisingly, it was only number one for a month. Yeah, that's it. But it still has staying power. So I, I still hear it on the radio often. Uh, still a very popular song at the karaoke's. So um, 
I don't think I need to add any more to it. Very popular song. Uh, the other movies that came out at the same time of the same weekend as Dream Warriors was Some Kind of Wonderful and Working Girls. I, you know, I don't think I've ever... S- I did see Working Girls. Was that the one with uh, Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, and Melanie Griffith? No, this one actually, like the funny thing is I'm on uh, Box Office Mojo and it won't pull anything up. And I only see like a small thumbnail of the poster and it kind of looks like Christy Alley, but I'm not positive. Uh, Woman in the Middle kind of looks like Leah Thompson, but I don't know. I mean, the movie, let me see, domestic total gross is 1.7 million. So it, it didn't do very good. No, that must not be what I'm thinking of at all. Yeah, this is Working Girls, so it is plural, three women. Oh, on the... I was thinking of Working Girl. Yeah. Okay. And some kind of wonderful, I do know that's got like Eric Stoltz, and um, now that one's definitely got Leah Thompson uh, in it. Uh, not one that I've seen, but uh, one of the John Hughes movies, uh, written by, yep. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's it for for the weekend. Now, Dream Warriors, I know that it is one that um, it's a lot of people's favorites. uh, And my first take on it, you know, it was really good. This one, Wes Craven returned and he was one of four writers to include Frank Darabont. So that Mm -hmm. was uh, really cool to see. Um, It was definitely a different tone than the first one as well. And I only bring up the first one because uh, Wes Craven um, is, you know, uh, wrote both of them. But this one really felt like a, um, and and I have read similarities or other people have, you know, kind of saying like the Monster Squad, right? It's a ragtag team of of kids that go against this, uh, the the boogeyman, essentially. Mm -hmm. So um, I do kind of see that. And we get the return of uh, Nancy Thompson uh, in this one. And now you said this one's your favorite. Is this one you probably watch more often than others as well? This one is my second favorite. My all-time favorite is the first one in... okay. They're, you know, neck and neck. I, I really, really, really like this one, though. Yeah. So th- this is, uh, th- this should be two. Mm-hmm. It really <laughs> should be. Right. Just ignore Freddy's Revenge. Just exactly. skip it over, folks. Uh, we told you everything you needed to know. Yes. Uh, this one is directed by Chuck Russell. So that previous name I mentioned in Freddy's Revenge, that guy didn't return. And with this one, this is, do you remember how long this one uh, takes place after? Freddy's Revenge? I don't know, but I kind of got the impression that it was at least 10 years after the first one. Because Nancy, by this point, uh, she has a doctorate. She's interning at a major psychiatric hospital. So that just tells me that there's been plenty of you know time in between. Right. Yeah. So with this one, uh, we have a new lead, a young Patricia Arquette. Mm-hmm. I did not know she was in this movie. Um, and even... she would prefer that you don't know. <laughs> okay. Now the the funny thing is, like I've seen, um, you know, some you know uh, the, the poster and some stills here and there, but I've never really like observed or analyzed the face. But in some some pictures, she actually kind of looks like Macaulay Culkin in those pictures. Uh, but, you know, she wasn't terrible. I mean, no, no it's she her wasn't. debut movie. So uh, what's her thoughts on this movie? 
she is kind of the opposite of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is very grateful for the opportunities that these movies afforded him to the point where he even made a cameo in a later one completely for free. Hmm. Uh, she, however, takes herself very seriously as an actor, and she would just as soon not be associated with this role. Even though Wes Craven, you know, again, helped give her her start, helped give her brother David a big start. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think she would have the career that she has today without this. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know she goes on to do like True Romance, and I, I mean, I guess she's starring in like one of those CSI TV shows now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so she won an Oscar for Boyhood. Boyhood, Boyhood is that the one where it takes place over like a decade or like, something? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, well, good for her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethan. Yeah, Hawk- I saw the movie. Oh, no. She definitely earned it. She's a very, she's a phenomenal actor. Oh, I'll definitely have to check that one out. Uh, okay, so this one, um, this has. So we've mentioned Patricia Arquette. Uh, we've mentioned um, Nancy Returns, Heather Langenkamp. Uh, we got uh, Craig Wasson as mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Neil Gordon. Uh, he is. Um, what is he? Is he in charge of this group? This particular group of uh, kids. I kind of got the impression that he uh, was kind of like a co-head with the other doctor. The woman? Yes. Yeah, okay. And, okay, so Patricia Arquette plays Kristen. Uh, Robert England obviously returns as Freddy. Uh, Ken Sagos plays Kincaid. Uh, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Taryn, she's the one that becomes the the punk, right? The, yes. The Mohawk. Okay, so Jennifer Rubin as Taryn. Um, Joey, was he the mute? He was. Okay, Joey's the mute. That's, uh, Rodney Eastman. Uh, Bradley Gregg plays Philip, who is the puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Will Stanton, um, is played by Ira Hayden. He is the, 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 the kid in the wheelchair. We got Morpheus, who plays Max. He's one of the orderlies. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we do have John Saxon return uh, mm-hmm. as uh, as um, Nancy's father, and I think that's good enough for now. Yeah. So with this one, uh, again, I did enjoy it. Uh, I did know going into this going into this movie, I knew that a lot of people enjoyed it. So I feel that it was a little overhyped for me. Um, I don't have. I have uh, very little criticisms about this, actually. Mm-hmm. I think it's well-written. I mean, you got four writers on it, which sometimes is not a good thing. Yeah, and sometimes I, you have too yeah. many cooks in the kitchen. Exactly. And I was very surprised to see that when the movie was over, it uh, I think it was over like around an hour 30-something. And I was just like, that's insane because so much goes on in this movie. Um, there are many, uh, many... B plots and C plots kind of going on. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you just got a lot going on and there's things happen for a reason and there's callbacks to what happened in the beginning of the movie. And so this overall so far is definitely a better movie than the previous one, uh, Revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, it's, I, I may be spoiling my, uh, my scare meter here, but it was a little light on the scares, I feel. Uh, there was definitely some creepiness to it, uh, especially Philip, I think it was, yes. the, the puppeteer. And, ow, oh, his tendons. 
just being pulled out of his feet and arms and wherever else. Uh, that in itself and the way he moves is so unsettling. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of great imagery. Um, since we're still talking about Philip here, uh, the, the part where there's a little marionette. Is it a marionette? It's some yeah, kind of he, clay yeah. doll. Yeah, where that transformed into Freddy's face and all that. Amazing. Yeah, uh, the the effects in this movie were right up there. They were really, really good. Uh, the thing I really enjoyed about this is the characters. I, I thought the characters were fairly well-rounded, especially for this genre and this decade. So many of the characters in these 80s slasher films are very hollow. They're very uh, tropey, uh, almost uh, tokenism for lack of a better term. And I found all of them interesting in their own way. Yeah, like uh, most other movies, they are, you know, more like types, right? Mm -hmm. They they don't have as much dimensions uh, as these characters do. And just a little refresher for those that maybe have not seen this one in a while, you know, Tom, you mentioned it, Nancy is now interning at this what what is it a hospital or it yeah uh, it was a hospital and she's specializing in people with sleep disorders sleep disorders and most of these kids have also attempted suicide mm -hmm. right that's also another thing we find out here so very dark in that aspect and then she works alongside this uh Neil we'll call him um call him Neil and, and then she finds out that Kristen, who is our new lead here, has this ability to bring people into her dreams as well, which I think is just such a cool, a new cool concept, you know, after part two, whatever that was. <laughs> and they, they did something fresh. And I thought that was kind of cool because in the first movie, we kind of talked about like, why was Johnny Depp in Nancy's dream? You know, like, are they dreaming together? So in this one, they kind of explore that a little bit uh, with some hypnosis and, and all of that. But yeah, this this movie, like, I could have, I could see this as like a miniseries, you know, like maybe two, three episodes. And because I, I think they have a lot of great characters, which is kind of sad because when we get down to the third act, like two or three of them are killed off right away you know mm -hmm. it, it just kind of abruptly and it's just like wow it, you know that lead up with these characters they just kind of have a unceremonious death i don't know i think that they uh got their moments to shine especially taryn because for a while she yeah. was really bringing it to freddie okay all right fair enough all right let's see here let's uh let's talk about let's talk about nancy uh because Something st stuck out to me uh, because I did ask you in our first review about that little gray, a bit of gray in her hair, and mm -hmm. there it is. You know, it's yep. it's there, and you can see it, uh, and big hair too. She's got that eighties hair, eighties big hair uh, for sure. It's nice. Um, it was nice to see her, but I don't know. She she did not feel, and you know, you mentioned that it's it may have been like a decade since um, the, the the first movie. And maybe she has lived a, I guess, somewhat of a normal life, thinking that Freddy's gone. But no, I don't think so, no? because why else would she be taking that experimental drug to suppress her own dreams? Okay, because I just, 
I I didn't get the feel like the way uh she is being played. It it doesn't seem as if she's really being affected. You know what I mean? Like she's too straight and narrow. I didn't get I I didn't get that impression at all. I got the Okay. I got the impression that she's actually not only driven to make sure that what happened to her didn't happen to anybody else if she could help it, but she's also trying to to help people that have been victimized by Freddy, and she may even be looking for a way to put a permanent end to them. Mm, That's just the way that I've always seen it. Okay. You know, and and that's why she went into her particular study. Mm -hmm. You know, children, specifically with sleep disorders. I mean, I definitely like the way her character was written. I I think it's just the way she was played. Like, I kind of like uh, Nancy Part 1 better. You I know. do too. Uh, the problem with this movie that you know I can't make any excuses for is there is some bad acting. Yes, uh, but you know it, it's still pretty much like a B movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and, like, and like I said, that's what it is. These movies aren't built to be studied and dissected, let alone talked about several decades later. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the kids. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, when I was reading off the cast, Kincaid, I, I really like, uh, the reason I also bring him up is because he survives at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Do you like any of the other ones? You, you mentioned, uh, Ter- uh Taryn. Taryn. Uh, I actually kind of liked her backstory where, you know, she was a struggling heroin addict who's not only having to deal with Freddie, mm-hmm. but she's also having to deal with trying to kick the habits that, landed her where she's at and she's got this creepy orderly who's yeah. trying to lure her in mm-hmm. let's see uh being a geek of course i was gonna i can't remember the the kid in the wheelchair's name uh but uh, you know I, I was always drawn to him will yes yeah and uh speaking of will that's probably the worst he uh affects in the movie is his oh, yeah. powers <laughs> yeah wait yeah i mean it was cool but it just it looked awful um yeah the the mute we we don't get a whole lot of we find out that he does have a, a bit of a crush on this nurse he's a bit uh, of a horn dog yeah just hey i mean hello nurse right yeah i mean <laughs> uh and i love that callback you know i i think that sets up you know the um bit of a i, I guess you can call it kind of a minor reveal i knew it was freddie right away you know when we see her the second time and she comes on to uh this this young man um more tongue right we yeah i guess i guess it's not a elm street movie w- without tongue so we get uh the, she spits out tongue ties yeah and, literally oh, speaking of the puns yeah th- th- we got a lot of them here this is definitely a turning point in the series you're gonna s- see it become more and more campy okay I, yeah, I was definitely remembering some things and I was still kind of waiting for them to come and it hasn't come yet in these three movies. So, mm-hmm. whoo, I'm definitely uh, in for something here. You um, are. The little bit of Max, uh, played by Lawrence uh, Fishburne here, a little bit of, that we get of him, I, I like I like his yeah, character. Yeah, he was yeah. cool. And uh, he also kind of gave the impression that he... You know, he gave a rat's ass about these kids. Absolutely. He really did. Uh, especially, you know, with, with Nancy, everything starts, all the bad things start happening when Nancy came 
along. And, you know, you got to see it from his point of view. I mean, he says as much too when he talks to her later on. Uh, I think, like, towards the end of the. Maybe in the midway through the movie where Nancy comes back to the hospital and she wants to see, you know, some of the uh, the patients. And he's like, no, you know, like two of them died because of your, you know, since you came along. And um, but I, I do like him. He uh, I, I think you got to have someone like him when you have another orderly that's doing drugs and sleeping with nurses and patients, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm glad we didn't get more of him you know he was unnecessary we we had a lot going on this is a huge cast there's a scene where i forget who dies but it's at the first funeral uh some of the writing in that scene was very questionable like uh, i think neil the doctor he was standing way in the back nancy comes up to him she's like what are you doing here and you know as if like he's you know he shouldn't be seen there or (laughs) something i'm like oh okay but then she's like Okay, all right, come on. Or something, I don't know. It's like, it. that scene for me was weird. But what creeped me out was the uh, the nun. Yes, well, I remember the last episode, you were kind of wondering about Freddy's origin. And you got a huge, huge piece of the puzzle delivered in this movie. Yeah, about a hundred of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we find out that Freddy's mom, Amanda Kruger, worked at the hospital... And during a holiday, was it, it mm-hmm. something, uh, she got locked up in some tower and was uh, raped by convicts? Pretty much all the, in- yeah, pretty or, much all the uh, criminally insane Criminally inmates. insane. Okay, yeah, uh, about 100 times a day? Is that, was that what it was? Mm-hmm. Or just 100 times? It's pretty, pretty disgusting. Um, yes. And... I'm trying to remember if at that point did I think that was her. Actually, I think I did. I was like, oh, she's that's clearly her. But, oh, gosh, it's just the way. I think she was the scariest image of the movie. You know, like just thinking about her is, is kind of making me cringe because mm-hmm. she, she it's herself. It's an awful thing to happen. To, yeah. Oh, well, absolutely that. But then the way she looks, too. I mean, she herself looks like a ghost. But I did wonder why is it that dr neil is the only one that can see her or why does she come to him um i guess actually now that i just asked that out loud it's it's really because movie right i mean we it need is, but his character was also the one who could really directly help the kids because again nancy was just an intern the other doctor was a complete skeptic who thought that the only problem with these kids was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Neil was the one that was genuinely trying to help the kids that had the ability to, to help the kids. Yeah, but also you can't have, you know, Nancy or somebody else going to go bury the bones, right? So so she does need to tell somebody else, so who mm-hmm. better than the doctor? True. So, yeah, so that um so he does serve a purpose and it's really sad that, you know, when he goes, let me see, I think it was Nancy that says, hey, let's go see my dad. So we get, uh, again, John Saxon returns. Is John, right? Did I? Yeah. Did I get that right? Okay. Yeah. And he's drinking at a bar, and apparently he's a security guard now. Yep. He kind of walked, I got the impression that after what happened in the first one, his career as a police officer was pretty much done. Right, and now that I think about it, in Freddy's Revenge, I think it was Grady 
that tells Jesse that uh, you know uh, Nancy's mom killed herself in the living room or something. That's what they said. Okay, so now I'm trying to think. Which ending in the first movie was it? What Was it when she got pulled through the door or was it when she sank through her bed? And maybe if I had to guess, I'd say uh, what really happened was she died in her bed. Right. And kids being the way kids are, they either exaggerate or get details wrong. So that's why they said they killed. she killed herself in the living room. Right. It's that telephone game, right? Exactly. I mean, yep. Yeah, she, she died in her bed and at some point somebody said she killed herself in, in the living room. So obviously this has taken a toll on that family because clearly Nancy and her father are estranged, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but it is kind of funny when they go to that junkyard and he tries to take off like after bringing uh, Neil there. He's like, hey, I, I said I'd bring you here. I didn't say I'd stay. So I thought that was pretty funny. And you know what? I, I wouldn't blame him. No, I, I wouldn't even have gone. I'll be like, I'll tell you where to go. I'll draw you a map. <laughs> I will draw you a map. I will... <laughs> Oh, uh, give you my GPS. Um, yes. but yeah, he has, did, did he see Freddy? He saw Freddy, right? At the very end of, uh, his storyline. Yes, he sure as heck did. Okay. Yeah. Cause he, um, cause Freddy hopped on to, to the mom. Right. And that's, yes. that's what he said. Okay. Yeah. See, so, so he knows. So he knows this is, this is real. Um, I would like to find, do you happen to know what, what why they had a falling out, um, the dad and Nancy? If I had to guess, I'd say it's, you know, for the same reason why a lot of times uh, survivors of, you know, uh, any type of situation have a falling out. Whether it's uh, two parents who lose a child or yeah. uh, a father and or mother and their child who loses uh, the other parent. I mean, unfortunately, it does happen. It does. It does. But, gosh, it's... So sad because, like, you know, it's not Nancy's fault. It, you know, they should be blaming themselves. And maybe that's why he's at the bar no, drinking. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He buried himself in a bottle after yeah. he lost his, uh, career, lost the mother of his child, you know, mm-hmm. and ended up losing his child. Yeah. Uh, I, we haven't talked too much about the, the Kristen character. Um, I do like the setup kind of in the beginning, you know, where, you know, she has her encounter with Freddie and Freddie, you know, kind of cuts her wrist a little bit. And because of that, her mother thinks that she was trying to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And that's well, why she ends you up- can't blame the mother because she no. bursts into the bathroom. She's, you know, Kristen's bleeding all over the place in one hand. And the other hand, she's holding a safety razor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it looks bad. I just, I just really, <laughs> and after shitting on Freddie's revenge, I, I just, do appreciate the writing, uh, the writing team, the ideas, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this one so much better. Um, I'm trying to think, like, maybe some of the kills. We mentioned Philip's kill. Well, you're, you're missing the best one. Was it uh, Tina? Or the blonde girl that wanted to be in TV? Oh, that was... Patricia? Roland? Okay, Roland's Kincaid. Kincaid? Jennifer. It was Jennifer. Yeah, I thought that was that was a great scene too, and it kind of when uh, she's sitting there on the couch watching the TV, and Freddie's head like pops out from the top of the TV, kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of the first movie where he's kind of coming out of the the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was kind of like that, and I like how he's got like the antennas on his head. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is where 
they had a, a great blend of horror and humor where you, it wasn't too far in one way or the other. But it was really funny because I, I don't know if you knew who the people on the television were, but it was Dick Cavett and Zsa Zsa Gabor. Dick Cavett. Yeah, Zsa Zsa's the only one I knew. Dick Cavett was a very famous talk show host in the 60s and 70s. And he knew like the one of the writers, the producers, and so he did him a favor to appear. And they asked him, who would you really like to see killed in this movie? And he's like, you know what? The one person I never wanted an interview because she was just so vapid and I couldn't stand her was Zsa Zsa Gabor. So let's go kill the bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, indeed they did. Uh, they I, did. I. It, it's a little sad that they cut it, but I don't know. Maybe she was... Well, you could hear her dying in the background. Okay. Yeah, but they cut, like, you don't see anything. Well, you no. see Freddy, but, yeah. I mean, and, why not? And in the line, fuck the primetime bitch is one of the best in the entire series. Yeah. I, I wasn't that, ad- that ad-lib, too? By, uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of those, too. If I remember from what I read, I think I think Robert England said two different things, and they ended up just using them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or your something big, like that. This is your big break in TV. Yeah. So, um, and, and it, but, you know, when Lawrence Fishburne burst in and you just see her hanging from the head out of the television, it's just so goofy that you can't help but laugh. Oh, okay. See, no, I was, I was frightened by that. That, uh, really? that, it was very unsettling to see that lifeless body just hanging there two feet above the ground. And but it's just so goofy. <laughs> yeah. Because how, how does she plausibly Get her head in that, you know. It, well, his reaction definitely should have been a little bit more like, you know, what the fuck, or <laughs> yeah. you, you know, I mean, he was just kind of like, oh, good lord, another one, you know. <laughs> Fine, yeah. I'll get the mop. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um, but no, I I thought it was definitely a cool death. Uh, I still think Phillips is the best one just because of those tendons they're just yes. so yeesh. yeah you, know, you can I just feel them in your arms and your legs yeah but but it, it also like you, you gotta think of like the pain he's going through too you know mm-hmm. um at, at least with jennifer hers was very quick you know just yeah right she was more TV. frightened than uh painful yeah and actually, and now that I'm thinking about, uh, Philip's death again, it's like he wakes up and he's, he's known as like a sleepwalker too. Kincaid mm-hmm. sees him and I forget what he <laughs> says to him, but then he's like, all right, have we'll nice have stroll, to, asshole. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. I, I'm glad that he, I mean, he was clearly the comedic relief, but he wasn't like overly silly, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, kind of like to what you were saying earlier, you know, the, it, it was a good balance of humor and, and scare here. Um, but, but again, I still think the scare was a kind of light. Uh, I feel, uh, Freddie didn't have a whole lot to say, not until the Jennifer scene, if I'm not mistaken, you know, it's not, not a lot of Freddie until towards the end, you know, definitely when they go pay him a, a, a visit. Do you want to jump to, to that part or, I mean, cause th- obviously a lot happens. Is there anything else you want to get to before? Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I still am always, always impressed with was the the dream sequence. First of all, at the very beginning with the the pig. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The way they did that is they literally got a pig, roasted it, and then kind of carved around the carcass in order to turn it into a ham puppet. Oh right, and see somebody. 
somebody who had something to do with that pig says that it, the the stench was so foul he can still like smell it after mm-hmm. all these years. Yeah, yikes! Uh, and, I, um, I did read that. The other thing that I'm still really impressed with was the sequence where uh, Nancy is pulled into Kristen's dream. Oh, and right. She, she mm-hmm. gets attacked by that snake version of Freddy. Yeah. And they, they built the life-size version of that. That is still really impressive. And, I mean, the the animations that they got on both that face as well as the marionette were just amazing. Where it looks like Robert England is that puppet or that worm. And that the worm, the snake, do you know why he was covered in goo and all that? Oh, well, I know that the... I, I don't know about the goo, but I do know that there is a reason why they colored him the way that they did, with, like, this bluish-green color. Yeah. Because they tried to have it uh, look like Freddy normally does, like a, a burned-up white guy. But the problem is, is that when the snake was colored that way, it looked like a giant phallic. Yes, that's yeah, that's what I read too. I just mm-hmm. found that very interesting. Uh, okay, so yeah, so that's the thing. Um, well, you mentioned how well we've been talking about how Kristen's uh, special power is to bring people in. I do find it funny when they go into the dream later on, and we find out what powers they have. And Kristen does like the, it's Kristen, right? Kristen, yeah. Okay. And, um, she does like these acrobatic moves. I'm like, so she's got two moves, right? So she can pull people into her dreams and she can be like super acrobatic. Yeah. Yeah. Life's it, not fair. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> she's even more special, I, I guess. Uh, uh, so that's kind of funny. Uh, did Nancy have one? No. It's just, it's just these kids, right? Nancy had the power. To know how to kick Freddy's ass, basically. Okay. But she got uh, sucker punched, damn it. He didn't play fair this time. No, she didn't. And she she's dead. Yes. Surprising. And you know what? Like, when I think Scream, uh, Scream Queens, I mean, I immediately go to Jamie Lee Curtis. And I don't know. Like, where would you rank Nancy as that? Because I I thought she was... I mean, I do know that she returns in um A New Nightmare because of what the movie is about uh but i i was surprised that there was no mention of her in the second movie which now it makes sense why um but i also thought that she would be and i don't know this uh, i mean she might be but i i don't think she comes back for in the other movies right uh just new nightmare yeah the the, in, in the the character itself herself is very much dead yeah so I know she is considered like a scream queen, but where would you rank her amongst like the Jamie Lee Curtises and stuff? Well, Jamie Lee is obviously number one. Um, I don't want to put Sigourney Weaver in that category just because she's so much more than just a scream queen. Yeah. Um, I would put Heather Langenkamp in my personal top five at least. Top top five, not top three though, not that tight. Oh, possibly. I, yeah, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm just—I yeah. was curious just because I was surprised to find uh, to see her die in this one. Yeah, but she had a really good death. I mean, that was one of the things that you don't really get a lot out of with 
a lot of the main protagonists. You don't get a really good send off the way that you do with her. So it it felt fitting. You know what I do like about this um in in this scene here it is when uh, you get like the multiple Freddies you know in the mirrors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of them are creepy and. The one that always sticks out to me is the one that he's doing that creepy thing with it with his tongue. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, it's not. We we know what. Yeah, we know what that is. Yeah, we know what you're getting at, Fred. <laughs> right. Enough. Yeah, that that really stuck out. I'm like, oh wow, he's he's really going for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a pretty cool scene. It kind of reminded me of was it Enter the Dragon? Maybe. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Yeah. So, and I I had wished that uh, you know because they were already in his dream. I wish that, you know, he would have came out of the mirror, you know, and then there'd be multiple Freddies right there and they would all have to fight him because there's like what? There's three, four, there's well, four of them. Well, in a way there was because they all got pulled into those mirrors at the same time by Freddy. Yeah, but I mean, I think the effects was really cool, but if they weren't playing with the effects and just, I don't know, I, I guess that would have been more money, you know, to try to get... Mm-hmm. Four, four Freddy's right, you know, out of the mirror. So, okay. But, uh, the, yeah, that effect was pretty cool. Um, I think. And that's they, where you also find out what Joey's special power is, which is basically n- not only the ability to talk, but to talk very, very loudly. Yeah. Eh, that was okay. It was okay. I mean, it was kind of a neat little twist on his character, I thought. Yeah. And I, um, now that I'm th- thinking about it, it is, uh, not Phil. Will is his, I guess, walking or standing or the use of his legs isn't quite a power, but I thought that was interesting too. Like he can walk, but also has these magical powers. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Taryn's death uh, to kind of call back to her being like a junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, those track marks on her arms, they open up like mouths. Those were pretty like, gross. Yeah, like suckling pigs. Yeah, uh, but I do like how Freddy's uh, knives now become syringes, you know, and he pumps her full of whatever it is, and that was that was pretty uh, pretty cool death. Well, that and his facial expressions, where his eyes are rolling up into the back of his head. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, it, it could be a number of things while he's doing that. Um, <laughs> That's yeah it, was, yeah, it was gross. <laughs> I, I I was sad that I mean because she was one of the first ones, you know. Like I, I wish that she could have lasted a little bit longer, just because it's like, because uh, wasn't her thing like she was basically a badass, right? And she was yeah. able to kind of like wield these knives and stuff. So I could have, you know, I, I wish I could have seen some more ass kicking from her, um, but still, still a pretty cool death for her. Mm-hmm. No, I mean there really weren't any lame deaths in this that I can think of. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, even John Saxon had a pretty badass death where he literally got impaled on the fin of an old classic 1950s car. Yeah. The, um. What would you think of that skeleton? The uh, the effects of that. The um... I thought it was great in a Ray Harryhausen kind of way, where you could tell that they went back and used technology from, you know, Hollywood of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. I, I I've always gotten a kick out of that. I I always like it when yeah it it doesn't look too like too CGI or heavy special effects you know the the more practical it looks the um, the better for mm-hmm. me and yeah just if it is stop motion or whatever that's that's what makes it even more unsettling so yeah yeah I do like that um I I thought uh, Kincaid just being super strong was a little 
kind of underwhelming. It, it is, yeah, because it's, it's just super strength. And he doesn't appear to look any different. You know, if if they could have given him like some kind of bodysuit where he's like super buffed, yeah, maybe. maybe. He had that badass 1980s tank top. Yes, yes, he, he sure did. Uh, I did try reaching out to to the actor. Uh, actually, I tried reaching out to like like six or seven people. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, none of them got me back. But uh, you know, they, for this type of franchise, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get hit up like all the time. Yeah, well, especially this time of year. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, when we find out that. This, uh, this, what, what is she? Is she a nun? I keep, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, nun or sister. What, what is she? Sister Helena, something rather. I'm not sure if there's a difference between, I'm going to have to plead ignorance on this okay. one because I'm not that familiar with the Catholic faith and I don't want to say the wrong thing and yeah. inadvertently, uh, offend anybody. Same here. And I'm Buddhist. Uh, it, it, it is Sister Mary Helena. So mm-hmm. that, that's a mouthful. Um, I'm sure it's hard for you to remember way back when, but was it a surprise to you that she was, well, one, either Amanda Kruger or two, a ghost? When I first saw it, uh, again, I'm looking at it from the point of view of somebody who was maybe 12. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's the thing with me, you know, obviously being a, a, an adult, I'm just like, well... He, uh, Neil is the only one that can see her, and she disappears at the most convenient points, you know. And how is she up at the bell tower where Either Neil's she's a ghost get up? or yeah. she's Batman? Yes, there we go. It, possibly Batman. <laughs> Have you seen her and Batman in the same room? No. Yeah. No? See, so I think you're on something, Tom. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Amanda Kruger. I, I I did find it interesting. I mean, just. The fact that she goes by Mary Helena, which I, I guess that's probably a thing that they do. You know, the, the nuns, they, they take on a, a new name or something. But, uh, yeah, she, her, her spirit disappears at the funeral, this last funeral here, and then Neil sees her tombstone. So now you can plead the fifth on this too, but I do know that Roseanne and Tom Arnold come in at some point. Are they supposed to be like Freddy's parents or step parents or something? You will find out, sir. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um. All right. Anything else you want to go over? Uh. uh the uh, Dream Warriors. Freddy's death scene was pretty cool because not only did he uh, yeah. show exactly what he does with his victims, where he absorbs their strength, but just the way that Neil. Puts the bones into the ground. He's trying to lay the uh, the uneasy spirit to rest. But when he, you know, throws holy water under the bones, you see the holy water burning light into Freddy's torso. And then he drops the crucifix right on the cranium, and you see this huge beam of light shooting out of uh, Freddy's forehead in the shape of a crucifix. I thought that was very cool and very well done. Much better than Will's special powers effects. Much better than kissing him to death. <laughs> yes. Uh, and now speaking of the, the, the souls, like, Freddy lifts up his shirt and reveals, like, you know, these faces or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I know it's coming. I, I thought that it might be this one because of that scene, but I do remember a very similar thing where Freddy, I don't know, I guess lifts up his shirt and there's faces that are poking out of his stomach. And then at one point, there's a set of boobs that also poke out. 
Stay tuned. Okay. Yeah, all right. See, so I do remember that. And yep. this is also the first movie where we actually got some actual nudity because the other Again, ones were. Again, twelve year old Tom was yeah. very fond of this movie. <laughs> yeah, because the first movie, uh, we got Tina being um, scraped across her chest, but nothing was shown. And side boob. S- mm. In the bathtub scene. Uh, Heather, Nancy. Uh, Nancy, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, I was probably again, more focused on the glove. I, again, <laughs> I was 12 years old. I loved these movies. Yeah, sure. I believe you. Uh, <laughs> and then the second movie, I guess the closest we get was um, uh, Fake Meryl Streep. Yes. That was the closest. And uh, again, nothing. So very interesting that not until the third movie where in other franchises it has been established, you know, sex and, and all that stuff you, will get you killed. So not until the third movie that that happened. Interesting. So... We will see if more come. Uh, let's see. Peter's scare meter. I did say that this one was a little scare light, but we did get more Freddy. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, Freddy. A lot more Freddy. Yeah. A lot more Freddy. The Freddy puppet master, you know, the, the large version of him was scary. Uh, Freddy inside the TV was scary. Um, I, I, I liked it, but the snake. Still... Come on. You got to love the oh. snake. Yeah, this 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 snake was good. We got a lot of variations of Freddy, um, and we could de- we definitely got to see his uh, superpowers as yeah. well, right? So that's definitely something that uh, is different from what we saw in the first movie, where in that one uh, we saw his arms extend, right? That, mm-hmm. and then uh, let me see what else he did. He ripped off his no, his face was ripped off, but. Yeah, so this one, they definitely turned it up to 11 with what he can do. And I'm going to, I'm going to give this one a four out of five uh, scares there. Uh, I know I said scare light, but I think the things we got to see Freddy do kind of, you know, the cumulative effects, uh, definitely. Thank you. Adds. Yeah. Yeah. Much, much better phrasing there. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the the first one's definitely some uneasiness, uh, creep factors to it. So that's three and a half. This one's a four, and whatever that second one was, uh, still a one. <laughs> yeah, of the three that we've reviewed so far, this one feels most like a haunted house spook train ride. Yes, where you're not scared, but you just sit back and you have a lot of fun. Whereas I do think that the first one, especially if you've never seen it before and you were of a certain age, could be very frightening. I've never been frightened of this one. I've always thought it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it and, and it is. It, it's fun. Um, you still got some creepiness. Like it, in the very beginning, you, I feel that's where tonally is was kind of like the first movie, just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then, you know, then you got all these other different personalities that kind of changed uh, the movie as as well. So, uh, yeah, still very fun. Um, I enjoy it. I would definitely watch this one again. I would definitely watch the first one again. And I would probably check out the second one just just because. But, I mean, I'm not going to... Yeah, you don't have to see it. Right. I mean, if you if you're a completionist like I am... You have to see it, but that's the only reason why. Yes, yes. And um, to kind of, you know, add to what you were saying about Dream Warriors, this one is definitely feels uh, a lot more complete uh, as, mm-hmm. you know, compared to the, the previous two. 
So, and frankly, they could have ended the series right there, and it would have been fine. I think it would have gone out on an incredibly high note. I think so, too. I mean, Freddie died, and Nancy died, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, with Kincaid living, uh, I will be interested to see who also comes back in the second movie. And I guess we will find out the next time we watch those two movies. Yep. So, uh, so... I want to thank everyone for tuning in to our retrospective here. And the next time you hear us, we'll, we'll be covering part four and five, which is Dream Master and Dream Child, uh, respectively there. So, um, Tom, why don't you tell the listeners where they can uh, get a hold of you on social media? All right. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter at uh, the Drunken Dork. Uh, if you want to listen to us, or better yet, subscribe to us, you can find us at uh, you know just type in Jake and Tom, and you'll find us in iTunes right away, as well as uh, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. If you have an Android phone, make sure you take advantage of the free and amazing Couch Party app available at the Google Play Store. You can uh, automatically listen to us, as well as a whole gaggle of amazing shows. Yep, and for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at PaulStalgic. Uh, you can find my content and my other show, We Got Five, at CortePars.com. Uh, Tom has been a guest on that show as well. Um, obviously, I mentioned earlier, he's been on uh, PaulStalgic quite a bit. And uh, yeah, we would like to um, hear from you guys if we misspoke about something or if you have theories about some of the plot holes we definitely want to hear uh, what you guys have to said say especially for those that uh, you know visit these movies uh, more often than us um so again thank you guys for your continued support uh if you have a few minutes please consider leaving an itunes review uh, for the show and if you do decide to check out uh jake and tom conquer the world leave them a review as well yeah. so um you know thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time For listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.